New Hope Outreach Ministries, making a difference by taking the gospel from word to action. And now, today's message. just commit this time to him let us um, pray first father we praise you father we honor you and we worship you you are God Lord you are God Almighty there's no one no one above you Lord and there's no one equal to you father father we just worship you because you deserve our worship Lord God we worship you because you deserve it you are God, and you're worthy to be worshipped. You're worthy to be praised. We lift you up and we magnify you. We magnify you, Lord, bigger than anything in our lives, bigger than any problems that the enemy may want to come and bring to us, bigger than any situation that may arise. We magnify you bigger than anything, Lord, and we just give you glory, and we praise you, and we turn this service over to you, Father, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would have your way. We submit to you. We submit to your will. We submit to your plan. And we ask that you come and have your way. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be done. And, Lord, we just ask that you would meet us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this morning, we just turn this over to the Lord. Because, you know, I'm trying to, Mark, you got to back up, wanting to follow the Spirit of God. You can't, she, you can't hear me? Okay, they're saying they can't hear me. And that's better. Okay. So, you know, as I was waiting on the Lord and asking for direction, uh, asking him for what does he want me to say or do this morning? One of the things that um, keeps coming to mind is God wants us to learn how to worship him. He wants us to be so comfortable with him that it's easy to worship him. It's easy to say, God, I love you. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. There was a time in my life to say, I love you, God, back to God. It just, I had to grow into that. And a relationship with God is the best thing there is. And it gets better and better and deeper and deeper. And he's just just wonderful. I was looking here at the word that Pastor John got for 2023. I'm going to share that. I don't know if anybody, did anybody read it last year, last week? <laughs> okay, so. Okay. All right. The year of 2023 will be a year of abundance in every area of our life. Things in our life will become much clearer to understand when it comes to the decision making. 
and then he says, see um, John 10, 10 in the Amplified Version. Many doors will be opened unto you. More knowledge and understanding will be poured out upon those who want a deeper relationship with the Father. We will walk and experience a greater dimension of God's grace and power. Many of you, our prayers will be answered suddenly. The moment you ask, your prayers will be answered. There will be a great turning point for the church, but it will be for the better. The church will move into a higher dimension in serving God. There will be more and more signs and wonders in the church this year. The year 2023 will be known as the year of abundance for New Hope Outreach Ministries. Jeremiah 33 and 3, King James Version says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God said, When you ask me a question, be prepared to receive the answer. And this was received on Friday evening of uh, October 21 at uh, 2.35 p.m. But, you know, as I read over this, just like God's written word, this works for those who embrace it, look for it, expect it, and keep it alive before you. Just like God's word. Just because a word has been given, don't mean it's going to fall in your lap. Because it's a word from the Lord, so... I expected. Years ago, I did not know how to respond to prophecies. Oh, it was good. Oh, that was good. I'm expecting it. It's going to happen. And then forget about it. Because it's going to happen. It was a prophecy. So it's got to happen. That's not the way it works. Just like God's word doesn't work that way either. In order for God's word to work in our lives, we've got to put it to work. We've got to believe it. We've got to act on it. We've got to trust God to bring it to pass in our lives. We've got to meditate on it and keep it before us. It's not just something you read or somebody preach or somebody share with you and you say, oh, that was good. I receive it. And you go about your business and forget all about it. We've got to keep this word before us. We've got to keep it alive. And we've got to keep the promises that God has given us. We've got to meditate and stand on them and believe for them. And like John was saying about uh, when dealing with this uh, cancer that he had dealt with, you know, that night they called me from the hospital to come up there. I knew what God had told us. And it was his word that I was standing on. It was his word that kept me from falling apart. It was his word that kept me at peace. As a matter of fact, when I was getting dressed to go up there, I said, God, this is not what you've said. You've got to know what he has said to us. We've got to remember what he has said to us. We cannot be, oh, God, what was that word? Oh, Lord, what was that word? What, what did he say? When did he say it? How did it go? You got to know it. And by meditating on it, it keeps it alive for you. And that Sunday when Betsy gave us that word, said that it was for us, 
No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That scripture, I have said it over and over and over and over many times. When different situations come up, I have to remind myself because the devil will want you to see symptoms, experience feelings. He wants you to see those things that he would put before your eyes to try to rip out of your heart what God has said. But when you have meditated on it and you got it deep enough in there, you know, you some, 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 uh, uh, for those of you who know how to garden, I don't garden. I just sometimes go pull out a weed or something, but some of those things, the root are deep and they're hard to pull out. You got to dig those things out. When you get God's word in your heart deep, deep, deep like that, the devil will try and throw all things at you. But when those things come your way, glory to God, that's the time you say it again. You meditate on it again and cause those roots to go even further. And I have, I tell the Lord anytime, I'm not going to stop believing what you say. I'm not going to stop. And he throw all types of things at you to try to get you to change your mind, to try to get you to say something that you should not be saying. So we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, have your way today. Because <laughs> it's all him today. <laughs> I want to start out in the book of Mark, though. I want to read that scripture, the 16th chapter. And it is the commission that God has given us through Jesus. And I want to start at verse 15. And for verse 15, he said, Go ye, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover we are entering into these times and that's the word that Pastor John gave lines up with that He said there will be more and more signs and wonders in the church this year. Does that mean that it's going to be automatic? And God is going to come in and say, okay, you go do this. You go do this. Get behind you and push you. No. We've got to be willing vessels to do what the Spirit of the Lord lay on our heart to do. If he, if you get the, and we've got to be so 
sensitive to him. And we have got to be so willing to obey him. Because sometimes you get the slightest little, not the physical ear, but I point there because we can hear in our spirit, the slightest little unction, pray for such and such. Give such and such this, that, or the other. Just tell somebody that they're pretty today. Tell them their outfit looks good on them. We've got to hear that. How many times <laughs> have we heard or sensed in our spirit the Holy Spirit telling us to say something or to do something? And we said, well, no, 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 not now. Or maybe that wasn't the Lord. Or I'm not getting up there for those people to look at me. It may start small. Just something small to see if you're going to obey. Because God is not going to take you somewhere and have you do all these great and mighty things if you can't do the small things. We've got to start obeying him in the small things first. We've got to start listening and doing what he tells us to do in those things that may seem, mm, they don't need that. They don't need me to say that. If God told you to say it, or if God told you to do it, then they need it. And then again, maybe they don't need it. You need it. You need to show your obedience. You need to show I'm willing to do what you want me to do. You need to be willing to say, Lord, if it make me look like a fool, then I'm going to look like a fool for you. Amen. You see, we've got to get ourselves ready for what the Spirit of the Lord is going to do. John and I were talking the other day, and, you know, we were talking about the church, the end time church that God is coming back for. And God is not coming back for a church the way our church, just churches, and when I speak church, I'm talking about overall, the way our churches are. Now, this is not the church he's coming back for. I look back at the church of, 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 uh, in the book of Acts. That was the baby church. That was the church in its infancy. Now God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for his bride, and she's going to be mature and beautiful. But he said it won't be no blemish on her. Won't be no spots. Won't be any wrinkles. We will be strong. We will be bold. We will be courageous. We will go out and make moves for the Lord. And where the early church turned the world upside down, now we're going to come along and turn it right side up. Are you wanting to be one of those people that he uses? I know I am. So what are we going to do then? How do we do this? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to use us, to change us? He's working in each one of us to change us, to give us a new way of thinking. I was thinking, I told y'all, I said, you know, I'm not trying to be rebellious or anything like that because y'all know I'm not rebellious. <laughs> but uh, my thing was, where did the way we have service come from? Where did the way we have church 
come from? Where did it all start? And John, you know, he was explaining to me, and we were agreeing together that it's the way people can control the service. So this is the way we, they've, over the years, have organized it. Well, you know what? This little girl from North Carolina want to say, I want to rebel. <laughs> Holy Spirit, do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, through whoever you want to do it. Let's shake up some things. Let's say, Holy Spirit, work through us. We want to come to church, and we want somebody to preach to us, and we want somebody to make us feel good, and then we want to go home and do what we do until the following week. Hit repeat. No, it doesn't work like that. It really does not work like that. We've got to be willing to get up and do what God, and look at who's here today. How many people are here? We are the core. We come every Sunday. Why should then we not be willing to just get up and do what the Lord say do? I mean, we're getting there. People are standing up and they're saying what the Lord is saying to them. They're saying what the Lord, they feel the sense of the Spirit is saying to them. And if God tells you to go lay hands on somebody, you know, I see our, you guys, all of us, are beginning to step out. This is the best ground to practice in. Because these seats are going to be filled one day. And people are coming and they're looking for people who are not afraid or ashamed to say and do what the Spirit of God say. Because those that are coming are going to be looking. They're going to need help. They're going to need hope. They're going to need direction. Are we willing to be used by the Spirit of God to do that? I, I, want, I want it so bad. And a couple of years ago when the Lord told me to seek his face. And that year, I did it. It was the following year that John got sick. But had I not been seeking God, I wouldn't have had what I needed in order to deal with what I was dealing with. Like John said, you can't be ready. You can't be getting ready. You've got to be ready. Whatever God tells you to do, regardless of how insignificant it may seem, there is a reason for doing it. There is a reason he would tell you to do it. If he tells you, for those of you who have stairs, get up and go downstairs and pray. Go downstairs and pray. We don't have down, upstairs, upstairs, downstairs. I would like it, but, you know, I've been overruled. <laughs> but the thing of it is, when he say get up and do something, may not be in the middle of the night, maybe get up out of that chair and go do something. We got to be willing to do it. These signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe these signs will follow you? Or do you feel like it's just a preacher? Do you believe these signs will follow you, that you can lay hands on the sick, that you can speak in new tongues, that you can cast out devils? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Or is it something that we've read over the years? Is it something that sounds good to be in the Bible? You know, 
The Lord have uh, shown me that we do read his word. But how are we with follow-up? How are we with applying it to our lives? Jesus said his words are spirit and they are life. So how do we take this word and apply it to our everyday life? Because those words are spirit. So what we have to do is learn how to live in the spirit arena. Because if we are in this world and not of this world, then what world are we of then? We are citizens of heaven. And we allow the enemy to hold us in bondage in his country. Jesus said, I have set you free. He whom the Son set free is free indeed. And you know, I think about this, this young lady, Brittany Griner, Griner, what's her name? Y'all, someone? The basketball player? What's her name? Griner. She's an American. She was used to all of the freedoms that she had in America. And she went to Russia. And she broke one of their laws, one of their rules. And now she's held in bondage. But she's an American citizen. She's in Russia, but she's not of Russia. And, but they're holding her in bondage. That's the example of, of us being citizens of heaven, but held in bondage by earth policies, ways of doing things, the spirits that are running rampant here. Bless her heart. I, I really say, y'all, we need to pray for that girl. We really do. For more reasons than one, we need to pray for her. And we need to pray that she's able to turn her life over to the Lord. Because even before she went over there, she was seeing, you know, getting uh, psychiatric, maybe I shouldn't say psychiatric, but she was getting counseling. And now she says that when she was over there, before she went to the prison, she was over there and she said she was losing it. It was hard for her to hold it together. But now that she's been um, um, taken to the prison, they say that those places, especially the one that she's at, is hell on earth. So, and well, anyway, we need to pray for her. Anytime the basketball player, you and I don't even have to know her name if, it don't, if you don't remember. Anytime that comes up, just Lord, work it out. Keep her, protect her, and bring her home. But anyway, I was told, I don't know how true it is, that she was one of those, whenever they did the national anthem or the flag or whatever, she would be one of those that would take a knee. She wouldn't honor the flag. It's amazing how many people want to do the church, God, Jesus that way. Don't want to honor him. But now I bet she would give everything to be back in America. How many people don't want to honor Jesus? But when the time comes and you find yourself 
open your eyes, inhale, would love to be back for a second chance. There are no second chances there. Now, she has an opportunity through prayer. It's a possibility. They talk in prison exchange. I don't know all of that stuff, how that's going to work. But they're talking that she might, as a possibility, come home. When you get to hell, it ain't no going back. It's over. It's over. Torture, torment all the time. And I can imagine one of the things that will torment you is all the opportunities you had to accept Christ as your Savior. I believe that will be, now that's just me, I've never been to hell, so. <laughs> but I think that's one of the things that will torment you. But anyway, moving on from Mark. The scripture came to me in, in uh, the thought, rather, I was reading in Acts. I want to go back and read a little bit more in Acts to get a fresh picture in my mind of the church. But over in the third chapter, I believe it's the third chapter of Acts, where Peter and John, oh, I'm in the fourth chapter, where Peter and John went to the temple. Okay, this isn't the Bible that I was reading it in, so it's not in the same place. All right, there we go, the third chapter. Peter and John went up together into third chapter, verse one, um, up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. When you saw, okay, I'm kind of kind of summarized. Who saw Peter and John? He said, you know, to go into the temple. He asked them of alms. But Peter, verse 4, looked at him with John and said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, just knowing he was getting ready to get something. They were going to give him something. But Peter said in verse 6, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Okay. Y'all go home and read the rest of it and see what happened. <laughs> but that's what they said. What they had to offer him was greater than any silver or gold that he could spend up in the next day or two. What they had to offer him took him off of the street begging and put him, thank you, I was hoping somebody would do that. And put him in place to where he could receive for himself. What we have to offer people is much greater than money. It's much greater than food. It's much greater than a position or a title. We have to offer them Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who will cause their life to turn around in a moment's time. Jesus will set you free from anything that the enemy will try to use against you. <coughs> and you see, we've got to become so familiar with him. I'm going to say something here. Don't take it personal. And if you fit in that category, 
fix it. There are Christians who've been Christians for years but have no relationship with Jesus, have no relationship with the Father. How can I say that? Because I used to be one of them. Wasn't that I didn't want to. I was just doing what I was told. I was just doing what Christians do. Now, it's not about your traditions. It's not about listening to the pastor and the preacher and the teacher and letting them guide and direct your life for you every hour of every day. Oh, pastor, I ran into such and such and such. What do I do? How do I answer it? How do I figure this out? It's about developing your relationship with the Lord so that when stuff come up, okay, Lord, how do I handle this? What do I say? I need a park. <laughs> he will take care of all of that. But it's up to us to develop that. God is very personal. Very personal. How well do you know him? That's a question you need to take and ask yourself. How well do you know him? I think about David. He was one of my, he is one, he's still alive. He's one of my people that in the Bible that I like to look up to because David had a relationship with God. He had a relationship. I mean, one that I could understand because David made mistakes. David did David. But yet he was able to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he would turn his life over to the Lord until the end of it, you know, we got down to the end. But see, this is where God wants us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. I think about, uh, I, I read um, Jesse Duplantis made a statement one day. He said, um, he would call him on Jesus. He'd say, Jesus. And he said, and Jesus would say, Jesse, that's a relationship. That's a relationship. How many of us feel so comfortable with the Lord that we can call on him like that and know that he's hearing us and he's ready to answer us? Know that he's not looking for something to come down on. God is not looking for a reason to punish you. Jesus has already been punished for you. He is looking for every opportunity to bless you. The slightest little opening that you give him to come in and work in your life, he will take advantage of it. He's not looking to set you straight because you just messed up. He's looking to bless you. He's looking to love you. He's looking to lead you and to guide you. That's what he wants to do in each one of our lives. That's where he want to take us. Let's go to 1 John 4, 17. I believe that's where I want to go. Lord, we just trust you, Father God, to work in our lives, to lead us and to guide us. And um, 1 John, is, 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 I promise you, it's in the back of your Bible somewhere. 
Okay, First John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. First of all, verse 17, God wants us to be bold. He wants us to be bold. And why is it that we can be bold? Because as he is, so are we in this world. All right. Now you can answer out loud. How is he? Say what? Say it, girl. <laughs> Be bold. He's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so how is he that we can be? We can be wonderful too, can't we? <laughs> because as he is, so are we. He is victorious. He is victorious. Um, let's look at Matthew 28. I think that's the last. Oh, goodness, 28. That's another one of the commissions, isn't it? But I want to say something before we get there to the commission. Let's look at 18, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came, are we there? And spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This was after the crucifixion and the resurrection. He is victorious. All power is given unto him. Now, in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, I believe it's where verse, what, 14, 13, 14, somewhere over there, is where he says he always causes us to triumph. He is victorious. We are victorious. That's what the scripture lets us know. We, as he is, so are we. If he's victorious, I am victorious. But I got to know it. I have to know that. And uh, I think it's Luke 10, 19 that said, he told us, behold, I give you, you, Barbara, you, Rosalind, you, Jocelyn. I'm just on that side right now. <laughs> but you put your name in that. I have given you power to tread over serpents, or tread on serpents, scorpions, and over, what? How does that scripture go? How does it end? All? All what? There you go. I have given you uh, power to tread over serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. I have given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. You are victorious over the enemy. Amen. The devil will come to us. I was reading on, on, on the internet the other day, and it was talking about how to survive vicious um, 
animal attacks. And one of them, they said, make yourself big. Just roar and make noise and, and just, just, just act like you're not afraid of them. And they were showing this example of this guy in India had been attacked by tigers, I think, three times. And the last time, the tiger would roar, and he would roar back. And the tiger would roar, and he would roar back. And to the point where his throat started bleeding, and some of the villagers came and um, finally heard the commotion and came and rescued him. But he was not attacked. He roared back. Roar back, people, roar back. Let's roar back because the devil will come and he will try to make himself look so big and he will try to make your situations look so bad, so hopeless, so helpless. Roar back. Roar back. Why? Because the scriptures say that your enemy, the devil, he walks about seeking roar as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When you hear him roar, you roar back. God's word has said thus and such. Amen. You roar back. Amen. You don't let that devil's roar scare you because he's seeking. What did he come as a roaring lion? But you have authority over him according to God's word. According to God's word. He said that about you. Every one of you, he, you have authority over him. But do you believe it? What's got to happen? And you've got to believe it not only here, but here. Get it in you so that when he does come, you're not that, what's that scripture? What's that scripture? What was that scripture? It rises up in you, and that roar comes out of you. And before you know it, you say, devil, get behind me, because I walk on you. Jesus has defeated you, and he has given me authority over you. Whatever form he comes in, be it poverty, be it sickness, be it children that's acting a fool, be it uh, 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 whatever, y'all know what you face. Roar back. Find a scripture that fits your situation. And if you can only find one, that's enough. Stand on it. God, you said, God, you said, I'm expecting you to, to honor your word. You are not a man that you should lie. Lord, you honor your word above your name. I'm standing on your word. I'm expecting you to fulfill your word. Stay on it. Stay on it. Stay on it. And don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. So if he's victorious, you're victorious. If he has already gotten the victory for you take it this is mine I'm not letting go what else about him he sits in a position of authority he sits there and guess what he didn't move up there and sit beside the father and say well okay now y'all on your own take my word remember what you're supposed to do I'm, up here. I'm back in heaven Y'all on your own now, now. No. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father, and you are sitting right there with him. You are seated also in a position of authority. What is that? A position of victory. You fight 
from victory. You're not fighting to gain victory. It's already yours. Jesus has already gotten it for you. You are fighting to maintain your victory because the devil would love to come and take it from you <laughs> and call you all types of names and say, that dummy, they didn't even know they had the victory. They didn't even know all they had to do was stomp their feet and I had to go. He wanted to keep you ignorant of who you are and the authority that you have. Ephesians, this first chapter, first and second chapters, explains the fact that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father, and you are seated there with him. And the scriptures say in 1.22, where is he seated? 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, every name that is named, every name. Poverty is a name. Sickness is a name. Cancer is a name. Bankrupt is a name. Bad relationships, that's a name. Divorce, there's a name. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, to be the head over all things to the church. He's the head of the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are his body. He is that head. If the head is in that position, his body is there too. I cannot take this head of mine and put it on another body. I wish I could. I would pick the one I want. But I got to work with what I got. But I can't take this head and sit it here. Where the head goes, the body goes. Where Jesus is, there you are. Because in verse uh, of the second chapter, he said, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And he tells us that we also are seated there with him. In verse 6, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we are raised up there too. And you might think to yourself, I'm sitting here in the old Marjorie's ministry in this blue chair. Yep. Your physical body is sitting right here. But that spirit man that has been born again is seated right there with Jesus Christ. And that spiritual realm where we are citizens of is where we have all of our victories. Now, this is where faith comes in. We have got to use our faith, stand on God's word, and pull those things out of that spiritual realm into that little blue chair that you're sitting in, into your situation. And see, for years, I couldn't put that together. We're seated in heavenly places. I believed it because it was in the word. But I couldn't put it together. But now the Lord has helped me to see, not just now, but you know, the Lord has helped me to see that 
we are creatures that have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Our spirit has been born again and is seated together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Our soul, we're told to renew our mind through reading the word. This is the soulish part, your mind, your will, your emotions. We renew that so that they line up with God's word. Now you got two, your spirit's born again, and you got your mind. It's, made, it's been made new. And now this body that said, oh, that hurt. Ooh, that said, oh, man, I want another piece of that cake. This body that's saying, let's go and party all night long. This body, but you got two against one now because your spirit is saying, no, that's not where we need to be. Now your mind has been renewed saying, and it can say the same thing. So you got your mind and your body is made is, I mean, your mind and your spirit is coming against your body and saying, body, you're healed. Body, you're whole. Body, you don't need that. You see, but if your mind hasn't been renewed, your body and your mind team up against your spirit. And so when you feel in your spirit and you say, yeah, I felt something told me, it's your spirit. And when they, your spirit is trying to get you to say, don't go there. You don't need to be there. You do not need to go there tonight. And the body said, man, it's going to be a party. We going. And your mind hasn't been renewed to the word. And so you're thinking, yeah, let's do this thing. We're going to go and turn it out. And then your spirit has been overruled. <laughs> and you go and you turn it out, and you wish tomorrow morning I had stayed at home. We've got to learn how to line our minds up with God's word so that our spirit can become stronger and our mind can become stronger and we can make proper decisions. I can imagine there are many people who have found themselves in places where they knew the spirit of the Lord was telling them don't go and they went and regretted it there have been times I can speak this for myself when I've wanted to say something and the spirit of the Lord said don't say it don't say it and I didn't and the reason I say that because I've been married 47 years there have been times I've been wanting to say some things and there have been other times when the spirit of the Lord was saying don't say it. Oh, no, 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 Lord. I'm sorry. He needs to hear this. And I said it. And I regretted it. So you see, when you learn how to listen to what God is saying to you through his word, because you've gotten into it and you've read it, you can be quiet when the Spirit says be quiet. You can say, well, no, I keep sensing I shouldn't go. So I'm not going to go tonight. I'll catch y'all tomorrow. I'll never forget that time when Andrea was in that accident that took her summer away from her. She said she knew that the Lord was telling her not to make that move. But you know, when you're young, invincible, I got this. And she pulled on out there and that truck ran that red light and tore that little talent up. 
and they had to cut her out of that car and that took her summer away from her. She regretted every day of not listening to the Lord. She regretted every day that summer because first she had to be in the bed, then she moved to crutches and uh, once she got off the crutches then she was okay. But the thing of it is, when she, had she listened to the Lord, she wouldn't have been in that position in the first place. God gives us a free will. It's up to us to do whatever we want to do. It's like when we were kids growing up. Mama would tell us, most of the time I'm in my house, Mama would tell us not to do this or not to do that. Sometimes you sneak and do it anyway. And then you regret it. Then you regret it. But you see, the Lord loves us, and he doesn't hold it against us. He tells us that all we have to do is confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then you start over, and you start asking the Lord for help. Help me, Lord God, to be able to listen to you, and not only listen, but to walk in obedience to you so that you can take me where you want to go. God will bless you further than anything that you can do. Any job that you get in, any promotion that's promised to you, God can bless you in a moment's time and bless you far beyond all of that. Let him be the one to guide you. And guess what? He made you the person that you are. So he's not trying to change you. He's not trying to change your personality. Oh, see, I'm telling y'all, I, I had to learn that too. I mean, I, I done been through some things. The Lord has been trying to teach me and show me something. I thought I had to be one of these nice little, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not quiet when you know me. I'm quiet if I'm in a strange environment for a while. But I thought I had to be one of those nice little quiet people who don't say much, who, who always have it together, who knows the right answer to every question, you, you, you got to, you are uh, the image of God. Okay, where we get this thing from that God is so quiet and so pious, I believe God made you and me and all of us, oh, oh, he got some humor. In order for him to make me, he got some humor. In order for him to make some of y'all, he got some humor. He doesn't want us to change who we are. He created us who we are. He want to take that person and make you the best version of yourself that you can be. So he wanted to take this little girl, this little quiet girl that the enemy had used to shut my mouth and use me. He want me to open my mouth, but he want to put in it what comes out of it. He want me to laugh like I always, I'm, I'm a person that I love to laugh. And I married a serious person. <laughs> God got a sense of humor. He put us together. I tell John anytime, baby, I'm the light of your life. I'm the spice of your life, aren't I? I'm the spice of your life. Sometimes he just look at me like, but you know what? I've learned I can be me. 
I don't have to be what religion have said I need to be. I've learned that I can come to church bare-legged. Because when I first, when John and I got married, when we first got married, we were going to this church in Texas, right? Louisiana. Louisiana? And, and she told me, come over to the side. Don't you ever come to church with your legs bare like that anymore. I thought I was looking cute. I had the cute little sandals on, you know, the ones that go between the toes and you can't wear stockings with. Don't you ever come to church like that, bare leg like that anymore. Hurt my little feelings. <laughs> I thought I was cute. My shoes were cute and she just shot me down. God don't care if your legs are bare. He doesn't care about those things. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at the inner you. He don't care if your hair is short. He don't care if it's white, blonde. What's that, platinum? <laughs> he doesn't care about that. He wants you to be the ver best version of who you are. He wants you to be ordained, uh, adored. What is it? What's the word I'm trying to say? Ordained? When you put on, adorned. He wants you to be ordained, adorned from the <laughs> from the inside out. Adorned with his word, with his spirit. Because once you know who you are in Christ, you are going to conduct yourself in a way. Once you have a relationship with him, you are going to conduct yourself in a way that is pleasing to him simply because you love him. The people that you love, you try not to hurt them. Until that flesh get up, when he hit me, I'm going to hit him back. He hurt me, I'm going to hurt him back. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Anyway, that last point I wanted to bring out is Jesus had, that's the last point, that's not the only thing left, but the last one I'm going to bring out is that he was always confident in his relationship with God. He is confident, not was, he still is alive. And he still has a relationship with his father. And he was confident in that relationship. First John, no, let's look at John, St. John, not First John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let's look at John 11th chapter. Because we got to communion. Um, start at verse 40, I believe it is. talking about uh, when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said unto Martha, in verse 40, Said I not unto you, unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his voice and said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He was confident that God had heard him when he prayed. He said, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but it's because of the people around me, which stand by 
that I said it, that thou, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus knew that God heard him when he prayed. He knew that. He was confident in his relationship with him. He would get up in the morning, early hours of the morning, and go spend time with his father because he would be thronged by people throughout the day. We need to find our time to develop our relationship with the Lord. Be it early morning hours, that's the best. If you can't do early morning, lunchtime, all of us, most of us have lunch breaks. If you can't do it during the middle of the day, then mo all of us have a little bit of quiet time before we go to bed. Turn off the TV and spend some time with the Father. Don't go to bed and get into bed and on your way to sleep, hit the remote and turn off the TV. Spend that time with the Father if you haven't done it throughout the day. First John, now we can go to First John. We want that confidence in our relationship with the Father that Jesus had so that we know that he hear us as well. So that we know, First John chapter 5, so that we know that whatever we bring to him, he has heard it. 5, and let's look at verse 15. Let's go back to 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Are you confident that he hears you? You've asked based on his word. Now, do you believe that he's heard you? And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Are you there? Are you there? In my Christian walk, early part of my Christian walk, I was one of those people that I always wanted. I know Geneva prays. I know Betsy prays. I know other people pray. So if I got to pray for something, I'm going to ask one of them to pray with me over this situation. Because in case God doesn't hear me, he will hear them. Now, we got to get to the point where if nobody else is around, and even if they are, I can talk to the Father and he hear me, and I know that he hear me because he loves me, and I am his child. Hebrews 4.16, I believe that's 4.16. I believe that's where I want to go. And then I'm going to prepare for communion for 16 let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need God doesn't want us drawing back shying away from him thinking we've done some wrong so we can't come to him he wants you to come boldly before him don't hold nothing back. He knows what's going on in your head anyway. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows those things that you're lusting for. He knows those things that you desire. He knows every thought that you didn't had, good, bad, and ugly. So just come boldly before him. You can confess it. Lord, I'm telling you, this is the way I'm feeling about this situation. I know it's not according to your word, but this is how I'm feeling. Work with me, Father. 
help me in this situation. Because if she get in my face one more time, I'm going to slap her down. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying is, God knows what's in our heart. That doesn't disqualify us as his child. I mean, when I would get in mama's face, she loved me anyway. When I was running off at the mouth and she smacked me on one side of the face and I got cute and turned the other side because, I, you know, that's what the scriptures say, turn the other cheek. And she drew back the side. I was gone. I was gone. I was gone. She didn't, she didn't, get, the, she didn't get the land the other one because I was gone. I did what the Bible said, but I didn't stand around for her to give it to me. So you see, God, he knows me. He gave me this personality. He gave you your personality. He loves you for who you are. But he wants that relationship with you. So with all that I said today, we have victory. It's yours. You don't have to change who you are to have victory. You don't have to change based on some uh, uh, religious creed to get from God to receive from your father. He's your father. He loves you. And he's not looking for a reason to knock you down, to punish you, to send you to your room. <laughs> he's looking for every opportunity to bless you. Whenever things go wrong, the worst thing we can do is pull away from father. The best thing we can do is run to him. Lord, I messed up. I need your help. Get me out of this situation. Many times I've went to the Lord and said, Lord, I need you to help me out of this situation again. And eventually you'll get to where you're not doing it. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Father God, most of all, for your love for each one of us. Lord God, you loved us so much. You sent your son. He took the punishment that the devil would try to make us think that we need to take. He took all the sickness. He took the disease. He took every sin that we have ever committed, would ever commit. He's already taken care of us. He's already nailed it to the cross and rose victorious over it. And he has given us the victory. So, Father God, I thank you that anything that the enemy would bring against us, we already have the victory against it, over it. We are not bound by it. I thank you for setting us free, for giving us the freedom that you died to give us. And I heard somebody say earlier today, for bringing us into covenant with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our covenant representative. I thank you for that. And as we prepare now to celebrate communion, we will be thinking about all that you have done for us, not all the negative things that we've done, but we will rejoice and celebrate everything that you have done for us. And we will be thankful that we can come before you and know you as our savior, as our father, as our friend, as our teacher, as our comforter, and all the other things that you are to us. 
We thank you for your word. Lord, let it penetrate our hearts. Give us something to think on. Let us not just hear this and walk out of this door, but Lord, let us meditate on your word and let us draw near to you. Because you said if we draw near to you, you definitely will draw near to us. So God, we praise you and thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as we prepare for um, um, communion.